0: This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day. And for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. Redefining podcasts. Society thirteen dot com. I like to listen.
1: History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump
0: in the night.
1: Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump Podcast.
0: Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 161st episode of the History Ghostbump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. On this episode, we are bringing you a location that is in Minnesota, the Palmer House. This was suggested to us by our listener, Katie Flanay, and I hope I said her last name correctly. Denise, this is one of the most haunted locations in Minnesota. As a matter of fact, that's mostly what we have on this location. It's just hauntings, huh? It was really hard to find a history on the house, the people who had lived there, and even on the city. It's in Sock Center, and that city doesn't have a whole lot out there either. Trying to find out when it was incorporated or anything, it's very difficult. Now, we had something fun happen this morning. The desktop computer that we have run this podcast out of for the last two years completely died on us. So we're kind of going on a throw-it-together shoestring thing here until we can get ourselves another computer. So we're hoping everything comes out okay and sounds okay.
1: Yes, so we now will have a ghost computer, I guess, running around. I don't know.
0: (laughs) It sure smelled like it was dying, I'll (laughs) tell you what. It smelled like death. We also had some other exciting news happen yesterday Yes, why
1: don't you tell them about it, Diane?
0: Denise, we had a goal of hitting a million downloads by December of 2016, the end there. We hit it yesterday. Woohoo, that's awesome. Which was November 2nd of 2016, so we hit our goal early. And it just amazes me that we have had a million downloads of this podcast in two years. I know. And of course, we always have to thank our listeners because it's you all that take the
1: time to download and listen to the podcast that makes things like that come true. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: It is all about you guys. We hope you enjoyed October. We brought you a lot of programming, a lot of content, and we'd love to bring you more of that in the future. One of the last bad reviews we got complained about all our commercials, Denise. (laughs) I'm not sure what they were listening to, but we are strictly listener supported. If you guys love the show, there are three things that you can do for us. Number one is share the show. If you know somebody who would be into haunted history, let them know about us. Number two, we need your reviews. Those don't help us to rise up in the ranks or anything at iTunes, but it does help when people go over there and look and read through reviews. I know I do when I'm looking up podcasts and we've been getting a lot of negative ones lately, so we would love to get your good reviews coming in over there. And then number three, please consider monetarily supporting and becoming an executive producer of the show. It really makes a huge difference for us. We think we have one of the best reward programs out there. You can look at any other Patreon page out there, and I bet none of them touches what we will bring to you guys, whether it's content or gear. Or virtual meetups as well. We want to welcome to the spectacular crew, Monique. Hey, Monique. Libby. Hi, Libby. Jennifer. Hey,
1: Jennifer. Katie. Hey, Katie. Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Kelly. Hey, Kelly. Ginger. Hey, Ginger. Lark. Hi, Lark. Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Enrique. Hey, Enrique. Adam. Hi, Adam. Haley. Hey, Haley. Casey. Hi, Casey. Mahi. Hey, Mahi. Gibson. Hi, Gibson. Chris. Hey, Chris. Sean. Hey, Sean. Kirk. Hello, Kirk. Mink Young. Hey, Mink Young. Anna. Hi, Anna. Teresa. Hey, Teresa. Bradley. Hi, Bradley. Raphael. Hey, Raphael. Liv. Hey, Liv. Stella. Hi, Stella. Ravi. Hello, Ravi. And Mary.
0: And Mary. Hello. That was a long list. Are you ready to go to the Palmer House? I most certainly am. History Goes Bump is entirely listener supported. Become an executive producer for as little as $1 a month. Get listed on the website and invited to exclusive virtual meetups. For $5 a month, you get that and exclusive bonus content like the Haunted True Crime bonus cast. For $10 and above a month, you'll get all that plus awesome History Goes Bump gear. Check out patreon.com slash historygoesbump or you can support us via PayPal. Click the support the show tab at historygoesbump.com for more information. history is full of oddities, curiosities, mysteries, and the truly bizarre. Welcome to this moment in oddity. The lake in the Gulf, some have called this location the Jacuzzi of Despair. And it would seem it is a type of hell on earth, or actually under the water. It's approximately a day's ride aboard a boat from New Orleans. Scientists have been amazed by this discovery that was made in 2014. And Eric Cortes, Associate Professor of Biology at Temple University, has said of this lake at the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico, it was one of the most amazing things in the deep sea. You go down into the bottom of the ocean and you're looking at a lake or a river flowing. It feels like you are not on this world. This is a circular pool that measures about 100 feet in circumference and about 12 feet deep and is around 3,300 feet below the surface of the gulf. The water in the lake is five times as salty as the water surrounding it, and contains toxic levels of hydrogen sulfide and methane. Anything that swims into this area dies. Only bacterial life forms like shrimp and tube worms manage to survive this deadly lake. Scientists look at the lake as a chance to study what life on other planets would be like. You know, because someday you might go to space and end up in the bottom of some toxic lake. This lake at the bottom of the gulf? Certainly is Odd.
1: This History Podcast is haunted.
0: This Day in History
1: On this day, November 4th, in 1970, a child given the name Jeannie is taken to Children's Hospital, and she will come to be known as the Wild Child. Jeannie had suffered horrid abuse for the first 13 years of her life. Her mother had brought her into a welfare office seeking help for the blind. It was after Jeannie was taken to the hospital that the world found out that she spent those first 13 years locked in a bedroom, tied to a child's potty wearing diapers. That was during the day. At night, she was bound inside a sleeping bag and an enclosed crib. If she spoke a word, she was beaten. No one spoke to her and her father only growled at her. She was given the name Jeannie by social services because she reminded them of genies that were kept in bottles. Her parents were charged with abuse and her father committed suicide before his court appearance. Jeannie was studied for a few years until funding dropped off. She traversed through foster homes where her abuse continued. It is believed that she is living in an adult foster home somewhere in California. The movie Mockingbird Don't Sing was made about Jeannie and her tragic life.
0: You're listening to History Goes Bump.
1: Minnesota became the 32nd state in America on May 11, 1858. The Minnesota city of Sauk Center has a long history as a wild west of the Midwest. In this city sits the Palmer House Hotel, which is both a hotel and a restaurant. It has been a popular place for over 100 years. It was not the first building on this location. An earlier hotel burned to the ground. The Palmer brought innovation to the city with its glitz that included electricity. There are stories of people who have died in the hotel, and some claim that there are dozens of restless spirits in this most haunted location. Join us as we explore the history and hauntings of Palmer House.
0: Minnesota was once inhabited by the Dakota and Ojibwa Native American tribes. They were eventually pushed back by European settlers from Germany and Scandinavia. In 1762, it became part of Spanish Louisiana. Land west of the Mississippi became part of the United States after the Revolutionary War, with the rest of Minnesota coming along after the Louisiana Purchase. Logging would become a main part of the economy, and sawmills would dot the land. Nearly smack dab in the middle of Minnesota sits the city of Sauk Center.
1: Sauk Center is 117 miles west of St. Paul. Sauk Lake sits nearby, and it is from this lake that the city takes its name. The name was initially suggested by Alexander Moore. The Sauk Center Herald was the first continuous newspaper west of the Mississippi River and east of the Rocky Mountains. The first issue was published by Joseph Simonton, June 6, 1867.
0: Denise, says I was looking to get some history about the city, I came upon the Sock Center Herald and a lot of the history stuff that was in it, and I kept seeing it mention this thing called printer's devil, and I'm like, what is a printer's devil? Because I don't know much about the industry. So a little fun fact, a printer's devil is a person serving at or below the level of apprentice in the printing industry. I don't know why they call him a printer's devil, but another interesting little fun fact is there's a Twilight Zone episode that has that same name, too, and it is about the printing industry.
1: Oh, that is very, very odd. Printer's devil, huh? The second publisher of the paper, Charles F. Hendricks, said of the town... When I came to town in July 1879, the frontier town was like a child in swaddling clothes, and when I left in 1903, it was like a young child running around in knickers. The city was a true Wild West town hosting settlers and trappers. In the early days, there were two flour mills and one grain elevator. A rail line brought two trains a day, the stagecoach was running, and a steamboat brought produce and passengers down Sauk Lake. That's really interesting because you would never think of a Wild West. Whenever you think of that kind of setting, you're always thinking kind of out west, like Colorado, New Mexico, you know, there, not Minnesota.
0: No, I mean, generally when people think Minnesota, they think the land of 10,000 lakes. Is that its motto? Yes, the land of 10,000 lakes. I always think of it as the land of frozen nose hairs (laughs) because starting about now until April... You walk outside and your nose hairs are going to just freeze together.
1: All I know is anywhere you have to plug your car in to make sure it starts in the morning is way too cold for me.
0: Well, and if you have to have poles so you know where the boundaries of the street are at so you can plow it properly, I just know. (laughs) To me, and I know we have listeners in Minnesota and you love your state, but it seems to me like it would be hell on earth even though it's iced over.
1: Well, and a friend of mine had told me, and I don't know if she was just pulling my legs since I'd never tried it, but she said that in the middle of winter, you can actually pour out a cup of, of water and it will be ice before it hits the ground. That's how cold <laughs> oh, it is. No. I, I have visited Minnesota twice, both times in February, which, sorry, anybody from Minnesota, I do not recommend February as the month to visit your, your beloved state.
0: They have the Mall of America there, and you don't have to walk outside, right? That, that is
1: true. So once I got to my hotel, I was fine because we could go shopping, we could go to the movies because they have, it's just like hallways, overpasses going everywhere, so you never have to go outside
0: once you're there. The old Sock Center house was the city's first hotel. It was built along the Stagecoach line as a stop around 1863. It quickly became a social gathering place, which meant it housed some extras like a brothel. Unfortunately, on June 26, 1900, it burned to the ground. There were no reports of anybody dying in the fire. Many people in the city were glad to see it go as they did not approve of the side activities going on here. You know, it was one of those dens of iniquity, so they were getting rid of it. Businessman Ralph L. Palmer, along with his wife Christina, built a new hotel in the former's footprint. And Ralph was all about going big. They had just come in from Wheaton, Minnesota. He wanted this new hotel to be bigger and better than the Sock Center house, and he went for Glitz with the goal of giving the city its first-class hotel. When it opened, the hotel had 38 rooms and a spacious gathering area. It was the first building in Sock Center to have electricity. There were beautiful Austrian stained-glass windows in the lobby that remain today.
1: The Palmers had two children, Hazel and Carlisle. The family lived at the hotel, and Christina's mother and brother, George Brander also worked at the hotel. The hotel was the cornerstone of the city's downtown area. Nobel Prize winner Sinclair Lewis had worked at the hotel, and he included it in his 1920 novel, Main Street. In the novel, the hotel is called the Minnie House. There were several families from town that called the hotel home. During the 1920s, with prohibition in full swing, the Palmer House became a place to headquarter the running of liquor. There were reports that tunnels under the hotel took liquor to other locations in the city. There was a flea market at the hotel at one time, too.
0: Now, the interesting thing is if you go down into the basement of the Palmer House, you're not going to see a whole bunch of these tunnels. Like when we went under the Blake Street vault, we could see pieces of the tunnel there. But there are areas where you can almost tell that behind the brick, it sounds like it's kind of hollow back there. So almost like they bricked over where entrances would have been, or there's some soft spots, so to say. So there's no real proof that there are tunnels there, but more than likely they're there and just were covered up and people just don't know about it. A major renovation began in 1993 of the hotel. Rooms were combined so that 38 rooms have become only 19, and each of these has their own bathroom. Jacuzzis have been added to some rooms as well. There's a restaurant and pub just off the lobby stocked with your favorite cocktails and savory dishes that include home-baked goodies for dessert. There's also a conference room. They provide historic tours of the hotel and even ghost tours with a ghost hunt in the basement that is normally off-limits to guests. They keep a log of ghost experiences because they are so frequent here. When the place was renovated, everything was rewired and updated. So how do you explain so many electrical disturbances from lights turning off and on without assistance and televisions flickering off and on? Kelly Fries became owner of the hotel in 2002, and it is on the National Register of Historic Places.
1: Both guests and employees have had so many experiences that it's hard to keep track. Reports started back in the 1950s. The chef has heard footsteps moving across the wet floor when she was mopping all alone. A wet puddle will appear in the middle of the kitchen floor for no reason. Servers will set up the tables after dinner is over so that they're ready for the next day, but when they come in the next day they will find the silverware has been moved. A night clerk had a male guest come down and ask if he could get a beer. The clerk went into the pub and got a bottle of beer. The man asked how much he owed and he took out a five dollar bill and the clerk wasn't sure what to do as he had no access to any money. He told the man that he would either need to drink five more or he would have to give him change in the morning. The man fished out $1. twenty-five and went upstairs. When the clerk told the owner about the interaction the next morning, the owner stated that no man was staying in the hotel with that description.
0: It's always these interesting interactions that seem to be these full-bodied, real-person interactions. It's physical, you're handing them a bottle, they're handing you money. Maybe it was just a guy that, he got the description wrong on him, and it was really somebody who'd been staying there. It always blows my mind when you hear these kinds of interactions.
1: Well, and it could have always just been a visitor of somebody staying there, and so the owner wouldn't know about him.
0: That's true, too. It could have been somebody that didn't exactly get checked in. Exactly. Kelly, the owner, has experienced some chilling paranormal occurrences. She was a skeptic before coming into possession of the hotel and we admire her for buying this hotel because they were getting ready to demolish it. To put in, what do you think, Denise? Um, Let me guess, a parking lot. Exactly, so I am glad that she saved this wonderful treasure. She has felt what seemed like the palm of a hand grabbing the top of her head. She's had guests fling their room keys at her as they make a run for it in the middle of the night. And they don't even ask for their money, they're just out. (laughs) She has seen a shadowy figure in the basement. Her husband was with her at the time and he thought the figure's eyes looked red and that it was a wolf-type creature. As the figure moved into the room further, all the light was blacked out and there was a strong, malevolent feeling. Her husband said they should all go upstairs immediately. Kelly says it is the most chilling experience that she's ever had at the hotel. Now when you hear something like this where it's this wolf-like creature and it's malevolent. I don't know if this is some kind of a, you know, all these places like to say that claim they're a vortex too or an opening to the other side. But it just makes you wonder, what was that?
1: I know, because just with the description, you almost wonder if we're not crossing over to maybe
0: some of the cryptozoology stuff, too. Yeah, and of course, we don't know what those things are. So I think they have a supernatural side to them as well. There's also a story that a psychic told Kelly there were bones in the basement kelly dug where she was told they were located and she found what looked like rib bones she placed them in a box to show to her husband later when she went to retrieve the bones they were gone okay that's creepy it's like who did they belong to who got buried there but i i don't think there was a cemetery here so who got buried in that basement and then where did the bones go This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love, so get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte, or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.
1: Ghost Adventurers has filmed an episode here. My ghost story featured a couple in episode 15 that experienced a freaky possession-type haunting while at the Palmer House. Darkness Radio with Dave Schrader uses this as their supernatural base. They host events here often. Katie Hart had interned with Darkness Radio for a while. She is now co-host of One Bizarre Podcast, and we asked her on Twitter if she'd ever experienced anything there. She tweeted, There's always lots of activity there. We had the lights and some movement as well. It was very interesting. Psychic Echo Bodine claims that there are at least 40 individual ghosts at the hotel.
0: That One Bizarre Podcast... I don't know if I've mentioned it on here yet, but it's a great one. Very funny. It's right up your alleys if you like weird stuff, paranormal stuff. Uh, Katie hosts it with her lifelong BFF, Blackie, and these ladies are just hilarious. They keep me laughing while I'm cleaning, so I appreciate that show. So check it out.
1: They're an LOL kind of operation. That's correct.
0: Ghost Stories, Inc. visited the Palmer and had unexplained knocks on the wall of their hotel room. They figured out that the knock sounded like the headboard of the beds bumping against the wall, but could not explain why this would come from an empty room. They picked up a young boy singing on a walkie-talkie several times, including when asked if he could do it again. I've never seen a paranormal group investigate with a walkie-talkie before because at first I thought she was holding a recorder, but then you could hear the stuff coming just through it and it wasn't like she was taping something and asking a question and then having it come through it was very interesting to see somebody walking around with one of those standard walkie-talkies. Now, again, any of you who used to use these, now we don't have to use them so much because we have cell phones. But when we used to be in, say, an amusement park and you were splitting up and you wanted to keep in contact with each other throughout the day, you'd carry around those walkie-talkies so that you could radio each other and say, hey, let's go get lunch here or whatever. So this is what she's walking around with and we all know that you would pick up other people's conversations, especially if you were on the same band or what have you. So maybe it was something else, but when I watched the video... It definitely sounded like a child's voice. I actually thought it was a little girl at first until she said that it was what she thought was a boy. So it could have gone either way for me. Definitely sounded like it was singing. I couldn't tell what, but it had that kind of sing-songy to it. What would happen is it would all of a sudden the walkie-talkie would click on and you would hear it with this little singing and then it would fade off. And then she would say, was that you? Could you do that again? And it would happen right after she would say that. So it would be a weird coincidence, but you know, it could have been. But to go along with this and to, to validate that a little bit more, they didn't have any children with them, and there weren't any children that we could see anywhere in the hotel. They brought a ball with them, and they put it out in the hallway because there are reports that people have seen this child playing with a ball in the hallway, a young boy. So they would put it out in the hallway to see if he wanted to play with it, and they would find it in rooms. So something would move that ball from out in the hallway to inside of the rooms.
1: Yeah, well, and as you were talking, Diane, about the walkie-talkie and you know being on the same bandwidth, that usually entails another walkie-talkie being used, and they're like you said, they're not very common anymore. So it'd be kind of weird for a walkie-talkie to be on a bandwidth with another walkie-talkie in today's day and age.
0: Well, that's a good point. So the skeptic in me would be like, "Where's the other walkie-talkie?" Since we're not seeing the other one, the part of me that's the believer. With you saying that makes me go, so how is it talking into the walkie-talkie if it's not using the other walkie-talkie to talk? They also saw this young apparition on the stairway kind of crouching down, and it was two of them that saw it at the same time, and there are many reports of people seeing a young boy crouching on this staircase, and supposedly, I couldn't find anything official, but a young boy supposedly died at the hotel from influenza.
1: Other ghosts reputed to have made the Palmer House their home in the afterlife are Raymond, Lucy, and Hank. Raymond is a grumpy spirit that haunts the entire hotel with an emphasis on the room that is called Raymond's room. Lucy is very good at changing the temperature of the room. She can drop it 30 degrees in minutes. Guests wake up in the middle of the night freezing and able to see their breath. The most haunted area is the basement. The ghost here is a former maintenance man named Hank. Some claim that Sinclair Lewis liked the hotel so much that he not only wrote about it, but has decided to stay there after his death.
0: And I believe I read somewhere that he was a desk clerk there before he became the famous author that he was. The basement may be the most haunted area, but the rooms that have provided the most experiences are rooms 11 and 17. And if we have listeners that are a little bit more aware, you've been to the Palmer House, if you could let us know, I couldn't figure out because people would say there's Raymond's room, there's Lucy's room, and I wouldn't see any room numbers to go with that. So I don't know if 11 and 17 go with Raymond and Lucy. But a newlywed couple was staying overnight in room 17, and they were awakened in the middle of the night by the apparition of a man wearing clothes more suited for the 1920s. He was standing at the foot of their bed. The furniture gets moved in this room when the guests are absent, so they'll go out... The chair will be over in this corner. When they come back to the room, it's sitting in the middle of the room or next to the bed. And since it's a man, maybe this is room 17 is Raymond's room. A guest in room 11 was sleeping with his legs outside of the sheets. A big no-no we all know here at History Goes Bump. Those sheets are there for your protection. Use them. Sure enough, he felt unseen fingers stroking his legs. When he jumped up to see what was causing the sensation, he found nothing. Both of these rooms have cold spots at times and seem to have a heavy, oppressive feeling. And since this was a guy getting his legs rubbed, room 11 makes me think that might be Lucy's room. Not sure.
1: Yeah, so if anybody knows for sure, please let us know. Do these former employees and guests still roam the halls of the Palmer House? Is the Palmer House Hotel haunted? That is for you to decide.
0: Well, I just know I listen to darkness radio on a regular basis, and I hear Dave talking about this place all the time, and they've all had lots of experiences there. They've held paranormal conventions there where people have experienced stuff, so it seems like something is going on there.
1: Okay, so if we ever go to that part of Minnesota, I'll go to Starbucks, and we can send our good friend Patrick, um, I don't think we'll send Heather, and some of the other people on over to the Palmer House Hotel.
0: (laughs) I'm sure they'll be thrilled to go for you. Well, we have a big day coming up on November 8th. It is election day here in America. So we thought, wouldn't it be fun to have a show that would feature a location that would go hand in hand with the election? No, we're not covering hell.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're not covering the comedy club or the
0: circus. (laughs) The White House is what we're going to be talking about on the next episode. So we hope you join us for that. Also, we want to announce we are opening up the contest for our exclusive design. As most of you know, every single month we do a drawing for a t-shirt for a listener, and it has an exclusive design on it, which was designed this last year by Rhonda Borgen. So we're looking for one to use in 2017. The rules for this contest is it runs all the way through November. You need to have it to us by midnight on November 30th of 2016. You email it to us at historygoesbump at gmail.com. And what it needs to be is 1,500 by 1,500 pixels. That way we can shrink it down and not lose any of the finer points of it. It also has to have the following three elements as a part of it. So it
1: has to say history goes bump because that's who we are. It has to have a ghost, of course. And this year, the other component is going to be a castle or something along the lines of a castle
0: yeah, some sort of castle so it needs to have those three elements and then you can throw whatever else you want into it as long as it's not copyrighted material and then send that off to us we will decide on the winner and then that will be the design that we go with for the entire 2017 year you also will get a mug with that exclusive design on it as your reward for designing it and of course you'll have bragging rights We'd love to have you guys check out our website, historygoesbump.com. Denise, if people want to send us feedback, where can they do that?
1: They can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com.
0: And we did get an email from Christina. She says that she has lived in Texas all her life. And upon hearing our Devil's Tramping Ground episode, specifically the mention of the Devil's Backbone and Purgatory Road, she knew she just had to finally email us. She's been wanting to email us for quite some time. She and her grandmother are huge paranormal fans. And her grandmother's been to the St. Augustine Lighthouse, the Magnolia Plantation, Winchester Mystery House. So she's been to all the hot spots. About five years ago, maybe six, I was living with my grandmother and we both were having problems where we couldn't sleep at night. So we'd go for a long drives. So she says, Why don't we drive over to Blanco from New Brunfels, which entails going down Purgatory Road? This is around 11 o'clock at night. Nothing spooky was happening and we were telling silly stories. And then all of a sudden, clear as day, we both see a snow white wolf. It couldn't have been a dog. It was in the moonlight and we could see clearly that it was definitely a wolf. It was completely white. I'd heard about people seeing apparitions of a wolf, but this wolf looked clear as day as an actual wolf in the area. We were so shocked. We just looked at each other like we were trying to confirm with each other that, yes, this is what we were seeing. We stopped at a little gas station, and as I got out of the car, my grandmother stays in the car, and all of a sudden behind me, I hear running from this open field on the side of the gas station, and I see a woman running towards me. And I get all freaked out because I'm still freaked out about the wolf. And all this girl was trying to do was to get to the gas station before they closed for the night because she needed some beer. <laughs> so she got spooked because this lady's like, I'm in a hurry, look out, I need my beer.
1: Good thing she didn't like start like throwing holy water on her or something, going, ah,
0: an apparition. She said she and her grandmother had a good laugh about that. So I had asked her, "Is it normal for there to be wolves in this area of Texas? Because you know, just because it was plain as day doesn't mean it wasn't a ghost wolf. Because we know they can take more of a a form where they're pretty solid looking, or possibly even like a shapeshifter or something like that." She did a little research, and the only native wolf to Texas is the gray wolf, which is apparently extinct, she had said. There's also the Mexican gray wolf. There are sightings now and then, but these are typically the Mexican grays who have crossed over the border. So quite possibly this was that ghost wolf that we'd heard about on that purgatory road. And then Julie sent us an email. She had listened to the Halloween podcast and heard about the University of San Francisco that we mentioned in that and how it was haunted. And she had actually gone there and said that she's n- she'd never experienced anything haunted, but that it is believed there's this legend that says that there was once a Native American burial ground there. And also there's a legend that a nun who had become pregnant by one of the university priests, it's a Catholic Jesuit university, had committed suicide in one of the dorm rooms and supposedly the university walled off her room and it remains walled off to this day with her ghost roaming the halls so she said she'd had lots of classes there but never had any experiences before we let you guys go we have a couple of reviews we'd love to share with you the first one comes from kmn001 awesome and unique look at history five stars cool way of looking into different aspects of history and folklore keep it up well thank you and then we have STLR fan 831. I'm thinking that Stellar fan. We'll call you Stellar fan. An awesome listen, five stars. I've been listening to this podcast for over a year now and it was great then and is noticeably getting better and better. History, hauntings and oddities are combined with perfection by the two hosts Denise and Diane. They complement each other perfectly with the great personality they bring to the show. Making each episode feel like a night amongst friends discussing scary or intriguing stories as opposed to just another boring homework assignment is why I give it five stars. Sometimes I forget I'm even listening to a podcast. Keep up the great work, ladies. Well, thank you so much for that. We want to thank you for listening to this episode. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. We'd like to welcome new executive producer, Sarah Riggs. And thank you to ming Kim. For your one-time donation.
1: Be sociable. Drop the chain rattling, neck biting, and shape-shifting, and join us on Facebook and Twitter at History Goes Bump. Like the page.